Pastor George here. I wanted to take a second and thank you for checking out our online messages. Our prayer is that this resource will challenge you, encourage you, and empower you as you uh, dig deeper in your relationship with Christ. But in no way will it replace God's plan for your active involvement in a local church. I do want to take a second and ask you to uh, prayerfully consider as you participate and listen to this resource, partnering with Revive as we uh, pursue our mission of seeing people live their fullest life in Christ. You can do this by going online to revivechurchga.com backslash give and making a one-time donation or setting up a recurring gift. It's through the generosity of others that we're able to provide um, a resource like this one. With that being said, uh, I do want to thank you again, and here is today's message. jumping into this series on things that Jesus never said. And so for this one, I kind of want, this goes way back to to when I was in college and I heard it a lot more then when I, a lot, really when I was working at Starbucks um, in Clemson. And so maybe it was because it was a college town or maybe it's because a lot of college students and this kind of mentality. I heard it a lot more in that era of my life than I have recently, but I think it still speaks to a truth that a lot of people kind of on the fringes of Christianity or um, go to church every now and then would call themselves Christians, but it's the, the fact that that you won't have bad days, right? So Jesus never said, you won't have bad days. That's kind of the title of this, and and what's interesting is it's kind of worded like this, and, and this happens so much, I don't have a specific example, but it kind of went, conversation would go like this. I'd make a friend, it'd be a, a new employee or a regular customer, and you'd spark up conversation. They'd find out that I was in school for ministry, and they'd be like, oh man, you, you know, I don't really want to hear about all the Jesus stuff, or the, the big phrase was, I tried the Jesus thing and it didn't work. And I'm like, you tried the Jesus thing and it didn't work. Okay, so unpack that for me a little bit. And it usually, after that phrase, it's followed by a country song, if you will, right? I, I started going to church and then my dog died, my girlfriend left me, my truck broke down, and so on and so forth, right? Like it was like one sad thing, one bad thing after another happened. It was like, well, Jesus wasn't this happy pill that made everything in life work out perfectly. And so, you know what? I'm going to abandon the faith because I tried the Jesus thing, but it didn't work out. And the truth is, we know that life isn't always perfect, that things don't always go our way. And it's actually been fascinating because I've kind of been pondering this this, um, subject, this topic. I've had a lot of conversations about something in particular that seems to always go wrong for people, um, and that is uh, some kind of house issue where a pipe bust or there's some kind of backup or something like that. So so for example, my uh, brother, they bought a house 
and then they had all kinds of septic issues, right? And they had to, it was like thousands of dollars to get their septic tank treated and pumped and all this other stuff. Then my other brother, they bought a house and they had cast iron pipes and it was within months that one of those pipes burst and they had to literally like drill into their concrete foundation to replace this pipe, thousands of dollars, and it completely renovated their bathroom because it had to destroy it in order to fix the problem. Fast forward a little bit sooner, I have a sister who, they have a house and they had just gotten back from vacation and they had a a small toilet stop up, right? And so they're like, okay, no big deal. We'll address it later. Just don't use that bathroom was the instructions that my uh, brother-in-law gave my sister. So she went downstairs in the basement and took a shower. And it turns out the whole time she was taking that shower, it was causing an overflow in the toilet upstairs. So when she walked out and started to go upstairs, there was literally sewage pouring down the stairs into the basement, completely ruined their house. I mean, they they are out of their house for six plus weeks where they're taking everything back to the studs, removing the sheetrock. I mean, it is, they had to move out. That is the amount of damage that has happened. (laughs) Then it it keeps going. So shortly after that, I uh, get a phone call. My stepdad had woken up early in the morning. It was like 3 a.m. to go use the bathroom and walked out to about an inch of water in their living room. Turns out something in the toilet had busted and the toilet was literally spraying water and flooded their house. They had to go and get shop vacs and vacuum all of it up. Luckily, the damage wasn't as extensive as my sister. (laughs) But then last week, I'm getting my hair cut and my barber's talking to me and they were, uh, they, he woke up in the middle of, one, of the night and there was water dripping down on him. And they had a pipe in their ceiling, which I don't really know how that works, bust and was leaking through their ceiling. So like bad stuff happens, right? And especially, it seems like bad stuff always seems to happen with your home. And it's like devastating when that happens. But we all can relate to where something bad has happened because, because this, there's this sense of bad being a Christian doesn't mean that that life goes your way. Jesus never promised you'd always be healthy and wealthy and thin. Like I would like that, right? But it's not the case that like life happens. We're living in a fallen, broken world. And so what I want to look at today is, is the fact that that even though life happens, even though bad stuff happens, you have bad days, things aren't great, there is still hope and peace that is promised through that. And so if you, I kind of want to unpack how we can get there and how some, some, I don't know, they're not hints and tricks, but some truths of scripture that allow us to persevere through pain and heartache and bad days. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to spend most of our time in John 16, but I am going to hop around a little bit, but John 16, and I just want to go ahead and read verse 20. And verse 20 says this, this is Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. He's kind of giving them his, uh, He's preparing them for their mission as they're about to go out into the world. He's about to uh, be crucified and died, and he's kind of preparing their hearts and minds for all that's about to come at them. I mean, they've been following Jesus for all this time, and they believe in him, and they're listening to his teaching. They they, they know he's the Messiah, yet he's about to die, and and he knows that. And so he's kind of preparing them for that, and he's going to, this verse kind of launches him into a prayer later that we're going to unpack a little bit. But verse 20 says this. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. So it says you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. So as a Christian, 
Here's your promise. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. It's really interesting because as you keep reading and Jesus kind of launches into this prayer, he uses the word world 19 times in that upcoming prayer. He says, peace I will give to you, but I do not give as the world gives. It says, I came from the Father to the world, leaving the world going to the Father. If the world hates you, it hated me first. If you belong to the world, then you love as it is own. Do not. You're chosen out of the world. While the world hates you, don't take them out of the world. Protect them. You're not of this world. So over and over again, we hear that Jesus is kind of contrasting peace and pain and the world and what it's like to live in Jesus and what it's like to be in the world. And then he, he jumps into it. I'm going to read verse 21. Right after verse 20, it says this. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy. That child is born into the world because of the joy of that child is born into the world. So Jesus is painting this picture of a story that we all know. Like whether you have kids or not, you know that the childbearing process is very painful for the woman. In fact, I I have uh, two distinct experiences of my wife giving birth. (laughs) And and there's this, it's, it's this, very interesting thing happens where there's a point before the miracle drug of the epidural, right, where there is excruciating pain and it is my fault, right? The, like, <laughs> not really, okay, but I'm thinking on Lauren there. But there's this pain in, that, that comes from, from having kids and, it, and your body goes through all of this stuff. And, and honestly, pregnancy really wasn't great for Lauren because her body for Addie Lee went into preeclampsia and there was all kinds of issues and hormonal stuff that was going on. And it was just not a great experience. But then Addie Lee came into this world and it wasn't long after she was ready to have another one, right? But after Avery, it was like, this is it. No more kids. Yet there was a few days ago, I took note of this. I don't know if Lauren even remembered mentioning it. She was like, you know, I think I would be okay having another baby if I could guarantee it was a boy, right? Right? Like there's a sense that she wanted a boy and the pain, it has this way of fading away when you have your child. You forget the, the agony that was there. And even the process with the epidural, it's like, it's the needle that's like this long. Okay, maybe not that long, but like you literally have to sit completely still. They, they shove this needle into her back and she can't move. It could, I mean, it's, it is a process, but she's like such a trooper. She handles all of it. She's so strong. And when it's all said and done, there's this miracle moment where you're holding your child and all of that just, it floats away. And there's this moment that you experience and, and Jesus is using that to illustrate, look, this life has pain. It has grief things are going to go wrong. The pipes are going to bust. Something's bad. You're not promised great days. You're not promised healthiness and wealthiness. You're not promised those things. But what you are promised is that inside of that pain, inside of that struggle, there can be peace and there is joy on the other side. And Jesus is pointing to this. In verse 22, it says, so with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, I am going to die. You are going to mourn. You're going to experience a bad day. You're going to have this grief. But on the other side, we will be reunited. On the other side, you will have a joy that no one can take from you. This resurrection moment, when they meet Jesus after the resurrection, they receive a joy that no one can take from them. 
It goes on in verse 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. So in me, you may have peace in this world. Jesus didn't say, life's going to get hard and you got this. Life's going to get hard and you're going to crush it. You're going to own it. You are the man. You go, girl. No, Jesus said, there is, there, things are going to go wrong. Plumbing's going to mess up. You're going to lose your job. There is trouble in this world. But in me, you have peace. Pain is promised. Struggle is certain. Suffering is inevitable in this world. Welcome to Revive Church. We've got a great, you know, the good news, right? Like, but that's the truth. Jesus doesn't promise that everything's going to be perfect. And, and Lauren and I were having a conversation about this the other day, about how we can look back at times when we were, uh, for me, I think even all the way back into college and being like, honestly, just broken over a Greek test because it takes 24 hours just to have an open book exam to, to get a C in Greek. Like, it, it, I mean, it was excruciating. And just the amount of work that in, in college, you just feel like you can, you're not ever going to overcome it, right? And then, and then we move on even to, to when we're early in our marriage and we, the, we look at the finances. We don't know how ends are going to meet. We're trying to do youth ministry. And Lauren's also uh, doing photography and working at the library. And I'm working at Starbucks. And it's just like, we just feel this overwhelming anxiety and stress about how we're going to make ends meet. And you know what? They ended up meeting. But then you go forward and like now we have kids and we even think back to this past week and we're at the beach on vacation and one of our kids gets sick. She can't breathe. We have to go to the ER. Like it doesn't matter where you look in life, what you can always look back and see struggle. You can see pain. And like, I look back at when I was, when we were first married and like, I was so overwhelmed and busy at that time, but I didn't have any kids. And I look back now, I was like, I was not busy, <laughs> right? Like I was not busy then, like I'm busy now. And now I'll come home from work and it's, you know, dinner and playing with the kids and getting the kids ready to bed, get the kids in bed. And it's like, man, I'm exhausted. I'm going to bed and you wake up, you do it all over again. I didn't have any of that then, but I felt just as busy and stressed because no matter what season of life you're in, you know what it's like to be overwhelmed. You know what it's like to feel left out, to be overlooked, to, to be fighting depression, God doesn't promise that everything's going to go great. There are times where you might lose your job. There are times where ends might not be meeting. There are times where your kids are struggling and you can't help them. But the thing is that in the middle of that difficult season, you are not alone. We can feel like we need to ask the question, where is God? We may be, maybe you lost your confidence or you're battling depression or you're anxious. You've got this bad news or a health challenge or a relationship in shambles. You feel the, the unbearable pressure of life. And we're tempted to ask the question, where is God? But let me read verse 33 again. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world. I have a clip that I want us to watch. It's about a seven-minute clip, and it's interesting. I read a, I guess it was a blog post by this artist, and I didn't realize that she was an artist. In fact, I read this blog post months and months ago, and it kind of started this thought process in me. And then later on, I found out that she's actually been on America's Got Talent, and they released the video of the audition. 
You know, they're great at, at creating these moments that make you give you chills and you know, make you feel all the feels, right? But it's interesting because as they're asking her these questions, if you've ever watched any of these shows, like American Idol, America's Got Talent, they find a background story and they really like focus on that. And that kind of gets you in this moment where you're feeling what the person feels and all, and all this stuff. But you can tell that she doesn't want that to happen. They, they ask her these questions and she kind of gives these short one word answers because she has a couple of lines that she says that I really want to focus on after the video. But she doesn't want the negative part of her life to be her story. And I think it kind of gets at this question of where is God and how do we handle these times of trials and heartache? And so I want to play this video and then we'll get up and, and kind of move forward in the message. But Lauren, if you will go ahead and play that video for us. We're happy you are. What's your name? My name's Jane. When I sing, I go by Nightbird. Oh, that's nice. Nightbird. That's right. Uh, did you sing? Do you sing for a living? Um, not not recently. Where are you from? I'm from Zanesville, Ohio. Okay. How old are you? I'm 30. 30 years old, and the dream is to be a singer. What are you going to be singing for us tonight? I'm singing an original song called "It's Okay." It's okay. Yeah. It is. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. What is it's okay about? Uh, it's Okay is the story of the last year of my life. All right. And who are you here with? I'm here by myself. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you do for a living? Um, I have not been working for quite a few years. I've been dealing with cancer. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. All right. Can I, can I ask you a question? How are you now? Uh... Last time I checked, I had some cancer in my lungs, my spine, and my liver. Wow. So you're not okay? Uh, well, not in every way, no. You got a beautiful smile and a beautiful glow, mm -hmm. and nobody would know. Thank you. It's important that uh, everyone knows I'm so much more than the bad things that yes. happen to me. Yes. All right. Sing for us. Good luck. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. 
authenticity there was something about that song after the way you just almost casually told us what you're going through and oh you know you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy been some great singers this year um, and I'm not going to give you a yes I'm going to give you something else And yet she's still so strong. Yeah. 
a she says a couple of things. Uh, the first one is that I'm so much more than the bad things that happen to me, right? And there's this sense that you could tell there's this peace and this hope about her that is different from the world. And she is a believer. We're going to unpack that a little bit. But so much of her story is based on her faith. And she says, you can't wait until life's not hard to be happy. You can't wait until life's not hard to be happy. But the truth is, that only comes from Jesus. Because life is going to be hard. And if you define your happiness on your circumstances, you'll never achieve happiness because life is always going to be hard. There's always going to be something fighting for your attention. There's always going to be something that makes you feel like you're under an attack. But when we have the hope of Jesus on the cross, we realize that those things don't rob us of joy. They don't take that happiness away from us. And there's something really interesting, and and this I'm going to kind of jump out of uh, John for a second. I'm going to go to First Peter, and in Peter's letter, he says this in First Peter, uh, chapter one, verse six. He says, "So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine." So if we're talking about finding joy and happiness and fulfillment and contentment, even though life is hard and even though things happen, the first thing I want to look at is the the first truth I want us to hold on to is that these troubles, these trials, these hardships, they prove our faith. Peter says that these trials will show that your faith is genuine. And you know what he's talking about? I kind of want to unpack those trials for a minute because it's it's pretty horrible, the things he's writing into. The, the, the context around this letter from Peter, he's talking to these, uh, to these Christians who are extremely persecuted under Emperor Nero from 60 to 65 AD. Um, and I mean, there are horrible things he does by turning human beings into candles for festivals. He even takes some Christians and he, he wraps them in animal skin and sits them out so that these dogs will attack them and eat them alive. Like this is horrible persecution. And Peter is saying, hey, Christians, even though life is so horrible, even though there's these terrible circumstances, there's this trouble, these trials, these hardships, these will show that your faith is genuine. There is wonderful joy ahead. So there's this sense of when life gets really difficult, we can look and we can see, you know what, is my faith real or is it superficial? Because if there's a genuine faith, faith, there has to be also a counterfeit faith. And so there's this sense of these moments of hardship that our faith can become so solid. And this is where that, that those conversations about whether, uh, you know, I tried church and the, the Jesus thing didn't work out because all these bad things started to happen. And you know that in that moment when you're trying church, then your faith isn't genuine. Because when your faith is genuine and these bad things happen, they don't drive you from God, they drive you to God. Because life gets difficult. So the uh, Nightbird, is her kind of artist name, there was a blog that was shared around and I went and I read it and she talks about this faith that she has in the midst of this trial. You heard her say that she has a 2% chance of survival and that 2% is something. And she's actually at that, you know, that was uh, recorded, I don't know how long ago, but quite a long time ago. And, And there's been a battle with cancer ongoing, even though that's already been recorded. And multiple times she's been in remission and multiple times the cancer has come back and she's battled it and battled it and she got to this place where she actually in the blog she writes about she was finally cancer free 
But even though she was cancer-free, the way she was using to, to um, using her mind to kind of numb the pain and numb the hardship that she was going through, she actually had a mental break. And so even though she was cancer-free, she was in the worst pain of her life because her brain was telling her that she was hurting. And there were times where she would literally just spend days laying on the bathroom floor, right? And she writes in this article that you can call me... Um, cursed and you can call me crazy, but you also have to call me a child of God because in that bathroom floor, she met with God. And that was where there's even times now where she will go and she'll lay in the bathroom floor because it's in those moments where she realized that God was with her and God redeemed her and God saved her. And she says, sometimes when you can't find God, you actually have to just look a little lower. And she was kind of at that rock bottom moment where she found that peace because in that hardship, her faith was proven. I think about the parable of the sower, right? And there's these the, the times where the thorns kind of raise up and choke the life out of the uh, seeds that have been planted by the sower, right? But when we have authentic faith, those seeds, those thorns can't rise up and choke it out. Even though the thorns are still there, even though they rise up, we prevail because our faith is in Christ and he gives us the strength we need to keep moving forward. A faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. That was Craig Rochelle. He says, a faith that can be tested is a faith that can be trusted. Most of the time, the hardest thing that we've been through, we can look back and see that those are the moments that we were closest to God. So if, if we're in these trials and these hardships and they prove our faith, they also prepare us for our future. They prepare us for our purpose. You think about... Uh, James chapter one, verses two through four. And whenever you think about trials, this is a verse that is on coffee mugs and the t-shirts and it's shared a lot because it actually speaks a lot of joy into hardship. But it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that in you, you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. A lot of times when we don't see the point of the discouragement and the pain and the bad days that we're facing, I just want you to remember that it might be that God is preparing you for something greater, that there's purpose in your pain because God has a purpose for you and your pain is shaping you and preparing you for that. Think about Joseph who goes on to save a nation, but not before being rejected, sold into slavery and falsely accused. And David defeats Goliath, but first he had to fight a lion and a bear. Peter was the the guest speaker at Pentecost where thousands of people came to faith, but first he failed Jesus and had to be restored. That there's times where we fall short and there's times where life is hard, but so often it's God preparing us for our purpose. You think about resistance. I think about, so we at Wells Fargo, we're, we're kind of promoing this new active credit card. But in order to, to get the employees behind it, they gave us these active packages where we had shirts and they give you like sunscreen. And, and some of the things that came in there are those resistant bands. You know what I'm talking about? Where you can like step on them and, and curl different, like, like giant rubber bands almost. But there's the sense of, if you think about the way we build muscle and the way we get stronger, it's not through comfort and ease but it's through resistance and hardship. So there's a, there's a lot of times we have this calling and this urge on our life, and we know that God is wanting to use us for more. But when we, when we refuse to face the hardship and we try to pursue only comfort and ease, we won't be pre- prepared for what God has in store for us. A lot of times going through the trial is what is required to shape us and mold us and turn, make us even stronger for what we need in the future. 
A lot of times when we have this, uh, we get this, the loneliness we face is teaching us to trust God like never before. The betrayal that we face is expanding our capacity to love and forgive. Or the setback that we face is setting us up for how God can show up and show off in our life. There is purpose in your pain. And Jesus, throughout his teaching, contrasts the two things. In him and in the world. In the world, you have trouble. But in him, you have peace. He doesn't promise the absence of pain but he does promise the presence of peace when we're in him. So when we look at life, what I want us to see is that there's joy in our future. If we go back to first, uh, we go to first John verse, uh, chapter five, verse four, it says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. We overcome the divorces. We overcome the cancer. We overcome the children on drugs. We overcome abuse. We overcome bankruptcy. We overcome the trials of this world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the one that gives us the power to overcome the the trials that we face. We go back to verse 33 in John 16. It says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. John 16, 33, I have overcome the world. The close, I want to go back to kind of the, the unpacking that part where he says joy will come in the morning, or joy will come in uh, the morning, where you have the, the illustration of the woman who, who is in labor, but then has the child, and you have the joy and the peace. He's pointing to the resurrection. He's saying there's going to come a time when you're going to see me again, and when you meet the resurrected Jesus, you will have a peace and a joy that is unshakable. You see, the good news of this joy and this peace isn't that Jesus saves us from our pain. The good news, the gospel, is not Jesus saving us from our pain. The good news is that Jesus saves us from our sins. It's the death and the resurrection that gives us life. That's the good news. So when we talk about, you know, Jesus didn't say everything's going to go perfect for you. He didn't say you're going to always succeed. You're always going to get the promotion. You're always going to get the raise. What he said is you will experience trials. You will experience hardship, but your sins are forgiven and you are made holy and perfect through those experiences. Jesus is sanctifying us. He's redeeming us in those moments. Our trials point us to Jesus. They make us who we are. And so this morning when you go and you're facing life and you're facing sickness and cancer or loved ones who are dying or things that are going wrong, I want you to know that you can have joy and you can have peace because Jesus died on the cross and your sins are forgiven. And in those moments, God is meeting with us and he is present with us. Even though the trials are real, even though the heartache is real, even though you're not promised 100% good days, you are promised the presence of Christ in your life when you follow him. And Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And it's in those moments that he, he's closer than he's ever been before. The challenge is not to wait until life's not hard to be happy, but find your joy in Jesus despite the circumstances that are going on around you. He never said you won't have bad days, but he did say that he was with you and he wouldn't leave you. He wouldn't forsake you. So lean on Jesus in those moments. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that our sins are forgiven. And Lord, I pray that you continue to teach us what it means to have joy in in the midst of these trials. 
we know that life isn't always great, that there's always going to be hardships. There's always going to be things that are on the back of our mind. But I pray that we can have peace and trust in you. Lord, I know that, you know, picturing the worst thing that might happen to me doesn't make this moment any better. It doesn't prepare me for that. It it robs me of this moment. I just want to focus on you. No matter what's going on around me, I want to focus on you. And I pray that as a church, we can be those people that even though life is hard and difficult, we are more than the bad things that happen to us. We are defined by your very presence inside of us. Lord, let us find joy and peace in you, unshakable joy and peace in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.